The month of August in the Philippines is Buwan ng Wika, Tagalog for National Language Month. It is a month-long annual observance to promote the national language, Filipino. Filipino is a standardized variety of Tagalog based on the native dialect spoken and written in Metro Manila, the national capital region, and in other urban centers of the archipelago. But even if Tagalog is a national language, not all Filipinos are very fluent in it because of our many dialects. But if one wanted to learn more about Tagalog, how would one go about doing this? Hi, I'm Dee. Welcome to Banana Q Podcast. In today's show, my co-host Ray won't be joining. Instead, I will be interviewing a guest. Ruben is one of our listeners who reached out to us on Facebook saying, I've listened to your podcast entitled, Why Are Filipinos Afraid to Speak in English? It was quite interesting. I am a Filipino who grew up in an English-speaking family. Although I'm still studying in college, I may have some thoughts that I would like to share if I'm given the opportunity. So, I hopped on a call with him. I grew up as an English speaker here in the Philippines. I did not grow up in the U.S., although I've been there uh, several times now. Why did your family decide to speak in English? Can you give us a background? During the 90s, my parents, they had my sister at the time. They moved to the U.S., and then my sister grew up in the U.S., so she naturally spoke English. Mm -hmm. And then... Around 1994, my mom decided to come back here to the Philippines mm. along with my sister. And then my dad just followed. And so my sister kind of maintained the usage of English in the family. So it was just natural for us. Then we talked about how English language is treated in the Philippines. But I realized that it mostly seemed like a rehash of our episode 33, the very same episode he had listened to, which led to this conversation. So as not to be repetitive, I'm excluding that portion here. However, we did end up discussing something more interesting, and that is our own language, Tagalog. In Filipino class, I was like, I was already like getting really good in terms of grades. Mm. But in the reading part, I wasn't really bad, but it's like there's some words that are like unrecognizable, but... I didn't really bother to look them up back then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think it's because Tagalog words, especially the formal version, right? I mean, mm -hmm. because the words we use to speak outside, they're not really that complicated. For example, in the Filipino classes, right? Like mm -hmm. the words used are very deep and maybe those yeah. are the ones that don't make sense. And I always got a headache when I'm trying to read a long Tagalog novel or something, right? Like, for example, what did we have? Uh, El Filibusterismo, No Limitangere. Those tend to give me a headache because I think there are words that are too deep that we don't even use in real life. And maybe that's why you're like, what does this even mean? And I think I find Tagalog is using longer words, right? 
Have you noticed? Like when I try to teach my non-Filipino friends Tagalog phrases, they're like, why is it so long? I said, see, that's why we don't really like to speak Tagalog yeah. with you because like this in English, in English is just three words. In Tagalog, it's like 10 words or something. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, like, it's like in English, it's a word, but if you translate it, it has to be like a phrase. Yeah, there's that as well. Yeah. For example, congratulations. What is that in Tagalog they would ask? And I don't even know. <laughs> It's like I'm trying to come up with something that is really close. Uh, binabati ko ang iyong tagumpay. Yeah, which is quite long, right? It's one word yeah. in English. <laughs> yeah. Unless if you're comfortable really saying it, like, go ahead. It's so long. And I just tell yeah. them, you know what? In the Philippines, we just say congrats. Yeah. Well, I guess the good thing about Filipino is what it sounds like. It's how you spell it. So it's not really difficult to write it either. Yeah, but... I saw sources like dating back from the Spanish era, like books. They mm. were spelled in a very Spanish way. They oh, really use like W's. They use instead they use like the letter U. Like for example, the word Wicca. Instead of starting with W, they would started with a U, and then followed by an I, and then the C and an A. Oh wow! Okay. Another thing in that older orthography is that. Instead of the letter U's, the letter O's were much more utilized. Like, you mean double O or something like that? No, it's more like, there are certain words in Tagalog that are like, they have the letter U, but instead of that, they used the letter O back then. Oh. Like, for example, Kaluluwa, in the old orthography, they would spell it as C-A-L-O-L-O-U-A. Oh, okay. But that actually makes sense because if you think about it, there are a lot of Tagalog words that sound like Spanish words. But sometimes they're not the same thing, though. That's the weird part. Like they change the meaning or whatever. Like especially in my hometown, we speak Chavacano, which is some kind of broken Spanish. Mm -hmm. And there are some words that it means breakfast in Chavacano, but then in Spain, it actually means lunch, that sort of thing. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that changed and who changed it. And, you know, so now it gets confusing to learn Spanish. But I think we also have that in Tagalog, right? We have words that are rooted in Spanish words, mm-hmm. like maybe mesa. Yeah, puede. Is it puede also? Yeah, it's one of those conjugations of poder. Oh, and I think pero is also Spanish, right? Yeah, uh, pero is like the same meaning in Spanish. But if it's like double R, it's different. Yeah, it's a dog. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't use that in Tagalog. In Chavacano, we do use that pero. Yeah. But you're right. I think pero is but. So mm-hmm. there's that. And I think there's still a lot more. Yeah. Ruben shared about how during the pandemic... He decided to learn more about Tagalog. And I decided to like invest my time into Tagalog. So I did not rely on pop culture at all. That's one thing. Instead, I decided to rely on really traditional sources. Mm, wow, okay. So where did you find this? In the library or what? On the internet, mostly. Instead of listening to like OPM, I would actually listen to Kundiban a lot. Kundiman, by the way, is a genre of traditional Filipino love songs. What I noticed with old Tagalog songs, like the Kundiman, 
It's more like they were like expressing sentimentality in the context of sadness, misery, and death. <laughs> okay. I don't know if it's like present in other ethnic groups as well. But when I ask my dad, my dad is actually Ilocano, but he grew up in Tarlac. So naturally in his area, they are multilingual, at least during his time. Mm-hmm. When I made him listen to Kundiman, he said that Ilocanos don't really think the same way. <laughs> oh, okay. So Ilocanos are not sentimental about loss. Yeah, it's more like they tend to be a little bit more practical and pragmatic. Mm. But the thing is, <laughs> the Tagalog condiments is just, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very sad. Yeah, and they sing it in a very operatic way. <laughs> oh, right. Because the kundiman is more like a mixture, an innovation from the older form, kumintang, and kumintang kind of dates back from the pre-colonial times. Mm, okay. So the kundiman is more like a combination of the operatic melody of the singer as well as the certain sounds from like Havana, Something like that. And then along with the pre-colonial kumintang kind of sound. <laughs> ah, got it. And then sometimes I would watch old Tagalog movies, although not all the time, but it actually gives you a good idea about the choice of words that they were using and the mm. manner that they were using. And then I would also like apply it to myself. I would just talk to myself at first and then converse it with other people who are nearby using that. It wasn't easy at first because it's like you kind of got accustomed to Taglish, but over time, I overcame it that it just became natural to me. Mm, that's good. And then I also found old Tagalog journals and books that are available online mm. i've actually seen an almanac from 1912 wow okay what does the almanac say it's an almanac from manila and it's actually bilingual mm. at first there's like the spanish portion and then the second section is the tagalog section they would label it as section tagala Mm, okay. I was really surprised that even though the Spanish section was just like in the book, the Tagalog section is really like really deep Tagalog. They, they didn't really borrow much Spanish words despite of that. Mm, okay. And I was reading some of these articles and some of them are just like, you're like thinking something's just didn't change. <laughs> <laughs> like, for example, like, Women studying in Manila from the province, and then when they come back, they don't want to help in the household chores anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or some guy, he was a good student until he decided to indulge in a vice where he bought tickets, and then he wanted to see this girl who was like dancing. <laughs> they were written in deep Tagalog, although they borrowed some English words, but it's just like one or two. Mm. But the rest is really deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the past, the languages tend to be deeper because, like, you know, they were purer 
right? Like now the languages seem to have like married with other languages. That's why it's not the same. And it's not just with Tagalog, even English. If you will look at old, like for example, the Bible, if you would look at, at an old Bible, it is very difficult to understand sometimes, right? Yeah. Because uh, it has a different grammar. There are certain words that are different. So I guess that's what happened with Tagalog as well. And, yeah. you know, other languages. Yeah. Yeah. So what I found out is that <laughs> they actually use the Tagalog word for honeymoon, but it's not the same translated word in Tagalog. It's a word that says pulo at gata. Yes, that is not actually used a lot. <laughs> we usually just say honeymoon, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then I've seen words that are like, some of them, they actually have English equivalents, which we don't really use. Mm. It's like, nowadays, we just filter them with English words, but Back then, it's like they have some words that are actually equivalent to English words that we use now. Someone was talking about squatting, and then in Tagalog, they used the word lupagi. Oh, that's not something that I'm familiar with, actually. Okay. Another word is paginsa-ginsa, which means occasionally. <laughs> ah, okay, yeah. And then another term that I found in other sources is like, aninawin is more like discern. <laughs> What? Yeah, that seems very deep, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, we actually have a word for I miss you, but it's not the same way as we normally say I miss you. Okay, how do you say it? It's more like nangungulila. <laughs> oh, like I'm longing for you. Yeah. But you don't really say that. It seems too much. If you say yeah. someone nangungulila ako sayo, it's like, yeah. are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we just say Miss Nakita, right? Yeah. That's what we say. It's actually Taglish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I noticed with old Tagalog books is that they kind of wrote their books with love. <laughs> it's <laughs> like the thing that I noticed with Urban et Felisa. It's more like the author is saying that ipinama manhik ko sa inyo na ako'y pagdalita ang dinggin. Wow, that sounds so deep, yes. <laughs> yeah, so ipinama manhik is more like I implore you mm -hmm. that you pagdalitaan is like pitifully. Mm. Dingin is like hear me. Mm. Yeah, it, it, I don't think I, I've heard people say that in conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... We have like forgotten or not really used some of the older Tagalog words nowadays. You have just been swapping English words in or yeah, other words. Yeah. When I think of a word, what is this equivalent in Tagalog? I immediately search it on Google, mm. and then I try to use it in my mind until I get used to it. Although mm. sometimes I forget. It's like there are some words that are like just lingering in my head. So it's like I knew this word, but I kind of forgot what it means. So I had to search again. And mm. then I kind of got used into translating from time to time in my head. So it kind of became natural for me to switch. But do you find that sometimes Google is not even right in translating though? Sometimes like you try to Google Translate and it's not correct. Yes, it's it's not just Google Translate. It's also like looking at the dictionaries online. 
mm. if it's like correct and then I compare and then if it makes sense then it makes sense do you have like a website that specifically you trust that would give you the right word is there a specific Tagalog dictionary website no I just click on the link which I find first <laughs> <laughs> Then how sure are you that it's correct? Because sometimes they're not. Whenever it makes sense, it is. <laughs> because it's like, I just feel like it is. And then mm-hmm. if it goes with the flow, and then since it's like, it's something online and it's there and it's from like a website that's like a dictionary, like Tagalog English, then I'll accept it. And then I'll try to compare it with the sources that I've seen. Mm. It's a lot of process, but it's like it's both complicated and simple at the same time. <laughs> okay, and then when you actually just say it to yourself or you actually try to talk to someone as well, I mean, how can you know that what you think you saw is correct? I have friends. We kind of talk about, let's say, I would put it in a very intellectual conversation and then we would use Tagalog and I would actually apply my knowledge there. Mm. And those are long discussions and not just like discussions about gossip or something. It's like we would discuss something like how we discuss right now, mm. but except in Tagalog. And then I would apply my knowledge there. Mm, okay. What's the biggest or most interesting thing you learned while diving into the past or diving into Tagalog? What I mostly learned is that Tagalog is actually really rich mm. in terms of like heritage, culture, and language. If you don't look at it in a national level or pop culture level, mm. and it also has dialects. For example, um, is it Batangas? They do speak Tagalog, but it's a different kind. So is that a, like a dialect of Tagalog, would you say? Yes, it is. I know in Rizal, Oftentimes, they would say that they have a certain dialect. It's like it's something minor, but they said it's there. It's, for example, when a word ends in D, for example, like the word bayad, they would say bayar. Because it would eventually conjugate it into like bayaran. <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs> so there is a kind of a dialect in that way. Which makes sense because actually Bisaya has a lot of dialects. Like I think Bicolano... It's kind of a variation of Bisaya, but it's not exactly the same. So I would imagine Tagalog would have something similar. Yeah. When you were researching, did you also find something about, didn't we have Alibata or something like that? Uh, by buying? Yes. Yeah. Fortunately, I was able to buy Doctrina Christiana in 2019. Oh. I could actually see that Baybayin was utilized alongside with the Spanish orthography in the Tagalog language. Mm, okay. Baybayin is the pre-colonial Tagalog script. It was utilized by the time the Spaniards came, and then the Spaniards didn't really stop the native Tagalogs to like write in it. In fact, they kind of like utilized it as well that they kind of also added some touches. <laughs> oh, okay. It was actually utilized until like, for example, the 18th century. Mm-hmm. They just abandoned it because it wasn't exactly that practical. Right. But if you actually look at 
Tagalog grammar books written in Spanish, you could actually see that they also have baybayin in it. Mm. Some countries still kept their own lettering system, right? Like, obviously, Japan, China, yeah. Thailand. Yeah. But we didn't keep ours, I guess, because it wasn't really forced that we stop it. It was just that they didn't feel like doing it anymore. What did you find? It was something like that. Mm. Because if you actually write like that, it takes time. And I kind of experienced that as well. Mm. These letters, right? What did they... Were they at all similar to the alphabet? No, right? No. It's more like you write them based on syllables. Also, it's really kind of similar to like Chinese or Japanese. But then when did it actually transition to become the abacada? It was like around the 1930s, 1940s already when mm. the national language was actually chosen as Tagalog. It mm. was something that was conceptualized, I think, by Lope Casantos. Because back then, although people were already starting to use the K in the 1900s, something that was like suggested by Jose Rizal, mm. because it was easier to conjugate. Because if it weren't the case, it would be the C's or the Q. And then the U. Mm. Yeah. For example, if you tried to write kain, kinain, kumain. Mm. Because if you would spell kinain, you wouldn't use the K in the Spanish area. You would use Q-U-I. Mm. Right. So that's why we had the abacada to simplify things. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. But I think that abacada alphabet was something that came up with Lope Casantos. Mm-hmm. But the utilization of K was already, like, after early American period already. Mm. But it wasn't standardized or anything because some books still utilize the old Spanish way of writing. So, yeah, obviously, I mean, it takes time to eventually everyone uses the same way and all that. And obviously now we don't follow the Spanish way anymore. To close this, here are Ruben's final words. Because I know that there are some people who want to speak it in the way it was. I really think it's like, yeah, go for it. There's no one telling us to like not speak this way or to not preserve it. It's more like how society feels towards it. Mm. And you can actually go against it. Ruben is right. And I think it's commendable for putting in all the effort to learn Tagalog in this manner because most people wouldn't have done it, including yours truly. If you're interested in learning more about the history of the Filipino language and why a lot of Filipinos are not fluent in it, please check out our episode 48, Why Do Most Cebuanos Hate to Speak in Tagalog? Thanks for listening and please subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you're listening. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Pananaki Podcast or email us at pananakipodcast at gmail.com. Bye!